0: You are listening to The Game Plan on the official Raiders podcast network. Here's your host, JT the Brick.
1: JT, back with you as we continue on right here. Raider Nation Radio. And you get the show loud and clear on the Raiders official team app. Former Raider quarterback, Billy Joel Holbert, kind enough to join us. Once a Raider, always a Raider. Billy Joe, thanks for doing uh, this,
2: man. I've been looking forward to this. How are you? I'm fantastic, and and I haven't done an interview in a long, long time that uh, that wasn't associated with the University of Washington. And like I told you before we came on, brother, I feel like I'm speaking to a living legend. That's the only reason I agreed to it. I don't think you and I have ever talked personally, and it's fantastic to be on the phone with you, brother.
1: It's my pleasure, and I was really looking forward to this. Before we get to your Raider career, talk about how you became a football player at a very young age growing up in Washington you had tremendous athletic ability beyond your years as a young kid who told you to believe in this journey you were taking in life as an athlete
2: well my whole family is athletic my dad was a state champ wrestler my uncle bill was drafted uh, in baseball my uncle Bob was drafted in high school out of uh, in baseball out of high school so my whole family is athletic and Quite frankly, I don't think there was any other option but for me to play athletics. Uh, I fell in love with baseball early. That was my passion, still is my passion. I watch baseball, I don't want to say religiously, but I watch it quite a bit. And um, when I got into my freshman year at Ording High School, that's when everything just started clicking. I was never really a quarterback, never dreamt of being a quarterback. And, and quite frankly, it pisses me off now when I train athletes especially quarterbacks, because that's all they want to be. And in my mind, it's way more important to be a football player than it is to be a quarterback. So the whole quarterbacking thing didn't come about until later on in high school, sophomore, junior year. uh, I tried to play as many positions as I could, tried to be as well-rounded as I could, played multiple sports, which a lot of kids nowadays don't get that opportunity. Um, But I was pushing the athletic... I don't... Push isn't even the word. I fell into athletics probably from the time I was you know, in my diaper. So yeah. it's just been a part of who I am and what I've done, and I've, I've been blessed because of it. So
1: really quickly, from your high school quarterback years to going to the University of Washington – the curve to learn and to be that good and to be that outstanding early at the end of your high school career and then taken over after Mark Brunel had that knee injury. How did you pick it up so
2: quickly? Was it coaching? Uh, Well, yeah. Uh, Considering our high school ran the University of Washington offense, it was actually not a big learning curve for me. We didn't run the UW offense in its entirety, but I'd say 75 to 80 percent of what we ran at the high school level was also being run at the University of Washington. So, the terminology was the same. The plays were the same. And, and you know as well as anybody, you put any decent quarterback, not even a great quarterback, not even a good quarterback, but a decent quarterback in the same system for seven years, they're going to be pretty damn good at it. Um, mm-hmm. And that's that's kind of what happened. I I was actually in the process of trying to switch positions at the University of Washington, either tight end or safety linebacker. I didn't really freaking care uh, because I knew Mark Winnell was going to be the starter. Uh, So when he blew out his knee, um, I got pressed back into that position, earned uh, the starting spot, and the rest is history. So from
1: the 91 season to the Rose Bowl MVP and everything that surrounded that program and you, walk me through it. Put a bow on your college career and how you played, how you came to grips with your legacy there, and where you're at with that today.
2: Wow, that is such a loaded question. I'll try to do that in as short amount of time as possible. But the – you know as far as coming to grips with my legacy i don't ever concern myself with that my legacy now involves the kids that i've mentored over the last 15 20 years it's the my own family my own children my grandson that's my legacy that i care about as far as the sports are concerned that's that's all been great uh, again everything i have in my life i have because of football specifically the raiders quite frankly and uh, you know that's both good and bad i have a lot of joy in my life, but I also have a lot of freaking ache in my life, you know, between my knees, my ankles, my hips, my back. Uh, All of that I owe to football, but as far as the University of Washington is concerned, you know, I went there because that's where I was supposed to have gone. I mean, my whole family was a dog family. Like I'm talking every single member of my family. So the idea of not going to the University of Washington was almost appalling to most of them when I considered Alabama, uh, even USC, I was kind of looking at a little bit. Uh, Syracuse, I actually liked a lot, uh, but I was, you know, willing to take a look. But the truth of it is, my family, I think, would have disowned me if I did not go to the University of Washington. Now, the fact that you know we won the national championship, and I happened to be the quarterback back the year that we won it, obviously led to my or kind of fed into my NFL career. But the truth of it is, I never really thought of myself as a quarterback Um, Mm -hmm. even to this day when I look back at it it's like yeah I I know a lot about the position now because I've been studying it for 25 years straight and you know falling back to you know being a quarterback on the national championship team to me I just look at myself as just a member just a guy that didn't screw it up because our defense was so good our offense was so good all I had to do was not throw two interceptions a game and we were going to win a lot. The fact that we won a national championship, honest to God, had everything to do with our defense. So I don't know really how to answer that as far as my mm-hmm. personal, how I feel about my legacy at the University of Washington. But, you know, obviously it was very proud to have been a part of the national championship team, but that's, that's not what I look at. I look at the, the, the relationships that I had there, the, the memories, the stories, the locker room talk, um, you know, all of that is what kind of sticks in my head, way more, way more than the win.
1: Billy Joe Holbert is our guest, uh, former Raider quarterback. All right, so let's go from Don James to Al Davis. Make the connection. Mm. How do you go from the Huskies to the Raiders, L.A. Raiders, 93 through 96, and getting drafted in the third round, the 58th pick. Mr. Davis doesn't take a quarterback, let alone in the third round, unless he believes he can eventually play for him. What's the backstory with Al Davis?
2: Oh, God, I loved Al. Um, you know, I've seen Al have some pretty, um, uh, I don't even know, gnarly relationships with people. And usually those people were the the players and the personnel that didn't fully understand the nature of, uh, the chain of command. And Al Davis was extremely loyal to those who are lo- loyal to him. And I've seen him take care of people for decades after they were done playing for him. Um, he and I would meet every Thursday night to discuss game plan. He'd come into the players' lounge and play pool with me because I stayed late a lot—not necessarily to watch film, unfortunately, but you know, just to kind of hang out, we'll let traffic die down. So I had a great relationship with Al Davis, and probably I, I don't know if it was as good as my relationship with Coach James, but um, it certainly was one of you know, boss and employee. Uh, But I was always respectful to him, and I always appreciated the fact that he did believe in me, Uh, even though I still, even at that time, didn't necessarily believe in myself as a quarterback. Uh, Even with the Raiders, I tried to play other positions. Uh, I just wanted to get on the freaking football field. I didn't care if I was throwing it or if I was tackling the guy running with it. It didn't matter to me. So I owe everything, quite frankly, to Al Davis, and I think what he liked about me most was at that time I can throw a deep ball probably as well as anybody in the country. Um, And we had a lot of guys that you had to throw it extremely deep to get it to because they were so damn fast. I mean, we had some burners out there.
1: Billy Joe Holbert is our guest. So being a backup, getting an opportunity to play, just wanting to get on the field, how did you handle that? What was that like emotionally for this notorious football team, a global team, at that point's already won three Super Bowls, the pressure of being a Raider, how did you handle that back in the day?
2: Uh, well, I loved every bit of it, first of all. I didn't look at it as pressure. I looked at it as like, you know, I could walk around. And I'm sure every guy on the freaking, any Raider alumni, I think, would probably agree to the same thing. When you are an alumni of the Raider organization, you feel like you can walk around um, knowing that you're at the epitome of greatness. Uh, you're involved with an organization that accepted nothing but your very best effort all the freaking time. Um, So that, that's, that's how I look at, you know, being a Raider. Uh, But ironically, growing up in Seattle, just South of Seattle, uh, being around when the Seahawks first came to pass in the uh, seventies, you know, everybody in my family was a huge Seahawk fan, but I could not help even as a young kid being attached to the Raider organization. And for me, Um, you know, watching, I I can't even go through the laundry list because it would be too long, but you know the Raider greats from the 60s, 70s, or especially the 70s and 80s, um, I legitimately became the biggest Raider fan on the freaking planet when they had Bo Jackson, and then all of a sudden, you know, you got freaking Brian Bosworth. That was my personality. That was my, you know, that's, that's how I, Identified myself as just freaking get out there and bombs away. Whatever happens, happens. And uh, I've always, always been a Raider fan. So being drafted by them was huge. And I don't care if it was a first round pick or a last round pick. But having the opportunity to be a Raider is something that every player probably secretly
0: desires. Allegiant is going the distance for health and safety, on the ground and in the air. Because the further we go now, the safer it'll be to go farther tomorrow. Allegiant, the official airline of the Las Vegas Raiders. Low fares, nonstop flights, only at Allegiant.com.
1: Wrapping up with Billy Joe Holbert, former Raiders quarterback. So who's your favorite teammate? Who'd you have the best relationship with, with the Raiders? Uh,
2: Dan Turk. Had a, and Jeff Jager had a great relationship mm-hmm. with both those guys. Dan Turk is, is now past. Jager's still living up in the Seattle area. Um, I also, you know, got along really well with James Jett. We came in at the same time. Um, mm-hmm. Man, I've I i, I I've only been – I couldn't even tell you. Unfortunately, I'm not really hanging out friends with any of those guys anymore. Now that I've gotten older, five kids, grandkids, uh-huh. moving all around the country, I've lost contact with a lot of those guys, but um, – you know, I had, a, I had a special time at the Raiders, and we didn't win the Super Bowl when I was there. But, man, I'll tell you what, we had a uh, we had a pretty good group of guys.
1: What do you think about what Mark Davis is doing in Vegas? You got your legacy brick. You see the stadium. Uh, when COVID protocols lift, I'm sure you'll be down here for some games. What do you think of the silver and black now leaving <laughs> Oakland and coming to Sin City in Vegas? Does that feel like a good fit well, for you? I love
2: it. I freaking love it. There's a lot of people that I've talked to that are still kind of questioning the whole deal. And, and first and foremost, I've always loved – the Oakland Raider aspect. I'm not entirely, even though I was drafted by the L.A. Raiders, played two years there and two years Oakland, I've always thought of them as the Oakland Raiders, just like a lot of other people have. But this move to Vegas is huge. And you're talking about that legacy, Brick. I have that thing right on my freaking mantle. So right when you walk into the house, boom, that's what you see. I'm probably as proud of that as I am as the the Rose Bowl trophy. But what Davis is doing, bringing it to Vegas, I thought, God, what's catch 22 because the NFL has always been so anti-Vegas and anti-gambling. And, you know, they warn, you know, all the players about all the atrocities that come with that type of lifestyle. Uh, And then they're moving there. Vegas is so freaking lucky to have the Raider organization there. And, and, I think Davis is brilliant for bringing them there. My only concern and my only hope is that for these young kids like myself who have a propensity to do crazy-ass things, make sure that they take the time to educate these players about, you know, the dangers of addiction, especially when it comes to gambling. Holy cow, when I was younger, man, I threw away money left and right. And There's a lot of temptation in Vegas. That's the only thing that I'm concerned about for the players. But for the organization, I think it's – Freaking brilliant!
1: Finally, Billy Joel, what what is next for you? You've had this really deep life. There's so much going on. I got to get you on a really long podcast where we can talk a little bit looser, from language sure. wise, and really go do a do a deep dive because this is the flagship. What's next from you? From a Super Bowl MVP to this career at UW to being a Raider. You mentioned your grandkid and your kids and all that. What do you want to do next? What's the next chapter in your life look like?
2: Well, for the last 20 years, um, I've been training and mentoring athletes uh from high school to college college the nfl uh and i retired last year actually i retired when my son committed to play football at washington state and spending a year away from the game uh i think has really opened up my eyes as to what my future is going to be and my future is (laughs) going to be right back to training mentoring and coaching as often as i can Football's in my blood. Uh, I've tried to take a year off, and and it, it just it has pained me. Uh, and going back to the point about the podcast and speaking a little looser, I might be a little bit slower in the way I articulate things when I'm on the phone with you right here because I'm <laughs> trying to find words that I can use instead of what normally comes off my tongue. So I apologize for any of the pauses. But the, uh, the future for me is going to be the same as always, just try to live the best life that I can live as clean as possible, um, be a good example uh, to my kids and to my family, uh, and just... You know, live life the way God intended, quite frankly.
1: Sounds great. I look forward to seeing you in Vegas. Really happy we can connect this way. Raider fans, appreciate it. Have a great one. I Thank you so much for coming on.
2: Love it, JT. The brick. You are the freaking man, and I I can't wait to listen to you in the future, man. You got it, buddy. Thank
1: you. There he is, Billy Joel Holbert, joining us. Former Raider quarterback. When we told them they told me, the alumni department, that we, we were going to have him, and they said, hey, you know, let's get this done because he has a lot to tell you. And his unique his unique legacy with what happened at the University of Washington, which he was open to. You gotta remember his college eligibility was an issue there in the Pac Ten Conference. It was sanctions. Institutional control led to Coach Don James resigning in protest. I mean, there was a lot happening there as Holbert became implicated in a major scandal back in the day there. But he I had a buddy of mine today who's a great friend of mine. And I said I was having Billy Joel on and he's a UW Washington Husky alumni. And I said, what do you think of this? And he said, love the guy. He was great. He made one bad decision when he was a kid. No big deal. We all do it. He's a huge Husky. He's a Husky for life. I love Billy Joel. So I'm going to do more with him. We'll get him on a podcast, and we'll, we'll set this up and talk about some of the trials and tribulations that he had. But, again, he came to the Raiders. was with, with the Raiders a while, 93 through 96, as he mentioned, James Jett. And he was the 58th pick in the 1993 NFL draft. You know what's interesting? He was the third-round pick, 60 picks ahead of Mark Brunel, 60 picks. He was the third quarterback taken in that draft. You know, we're talking about the five that are going to go maybe in the top 10 picks coming up a week from this Thursday. He was in the draft with Drew Bledsoe and Rick Meyer. That's a big deal. So when you look at he was also drafted, as you mentioned, baseball by the White Sox but chose to go to the NFL. He loves being a Raider. Appreciate having Billy Joel Holbert on. Remember what we're doing this week is we're picking the 17th pick ahead of Mike Mayock for fun. That's our goal. I'm counting on every Raider fan to call me for the next week and a half and tell me what that pick's going to be. So when I go into anchoring the draft on Thursday night on the flagship, I got a real good understanding about what you're thinking. Who do the Raiders take? It's the countdown to the NFL draft right here on Raider Nation Radio. Once a Raider, always a Raider, as we talk to former Raiders. And this gentleman won a Super Bowl, part of the Super Bowl XV World Championship Oakland Raiders. And he's kind enough to join us here, former defensive back Keith Moody. Keith, good to talk to you again. Thanks so much for joining us. How are you?
0: I'm great. My pleasure. Uh, You know, at my age, it's great to be anywhere.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, I've seen you on the Zoom calls, and you're you're really tight with your former teammates. And this was a great run that you had. Take me back. From high school into college, you were a Syracuse man where Al Davis went. Jim Brown played football there. Larry Zonka, such great tradition out of Syracuse before you were drafted in the 10th round in the 1976 draft. When did you think you had a shot to play in the NFL on Sundays?
0: Um, Well, it was probably uh, not until my senior year. We had a change of coaching staff. I started out with uh, Ben Swartzwalter as our coach. And he retired, and then this young guy, um, Mahoney, took over. And he had a lot of um, pro workout techniques for us, and a lot of schemes that were similar to the pros. The DB coach at that point told me since I ran a four three forty that I might have at least the speed to be able to play at the next level. So,
1: interesting time for you. You come out of Syracuse, you get drafted by the Buffalo Bills, play from 76 to 79. The Raiders were one of those teams that decade, playing in the biggest games. They finally broke through in the 76 season and won the Super Bowl in January of 77. How did you vision that team, from your view, in Oakland, from where
0: you were in Buffalo with the Bills? Well, Oakland always was the dominant force during that era. And so, as a Bills player who was on a team, well, teams that really struggled I was very envious of the Raiders and then just through fate I ended up uh, going to the Raiders in that 1980 season um, primarily to run back punts and kickoffs I'd had some success at that at Buffalo so uh, Ortmeyer brought me in gave me a workout and a tryout and then uh, they signed me and it was the year that we ran the table so I was just very fortunate very honored to join a, a really proud Uh, tradition at the Raiders.
1: Keith Moody is our guest, former Raider champion, so that must have been interesting. Al Davis is counting on you for special teams. Also, you're a defensive back. You have speed. What was it like when you came to the team? First time in the locker room, or was it training camp when you looked around at all these Mavericks and all these guys who you knew won a championship and were trying to get back year after year again, and now you're looking at the second era of that team, coming off the stabler years into the Plunkett years, what was that like?
0: Well, the Raiders were always a group of uh, teams with character and characters. So, uh, you know, I would go there and see things that I never saw in Buffalo. Matuzak uh, <laughs> and Hendrix one day around Halloween wore um, Bozo the clown masks under their helmets. I mean, those kind of things just never happened in Buffalo. So it was a, kind of a loose um, feeling over there. You know, pe- people were laid back. And they uh, they were also very confident. So the Raiders believed they were going to win. I mean, obviously everyone knows Al's motto back then was just win baby. And that's the way the Raiders felt. They felt they were going to win it all, all the time. Take me on the championship
1: run and when you thought you can get it done. From the big plays on the road in the postseason. We talked about that on the championship Zoom call, which you were on. There was a, It was a make-or-break year, a big speech. Uh, uh, let's pull this together. Let's go on a run. When you go back in your life and think about that moment with that players only meeting and how you had to save the season and turn it around, do you still use that motivation today?
0: Well, I think it is quite a motivation. It is a story. We were two and three, and Pastorini had broken his leg, so Plunkett was going to take over at that point. And I think a lot of people thought, okay, time to write the Raiders off for this season. And that was kind of the turning point in my mind when Plunkett stepped in and he just had a tremendous run. I think we won 13 of the next 15, including the the playoffs. So uh, that was pivotal, having the team come together and just say, okay, let's not go in the tank. Let's go ahead and excel. Let's make a commitment to excellence and get it done. Keith, not a lot
1: of players in the history of sports can say they were a part of something like that, two and three, and then running the table and being a team that could go through and wild card, win that way, and play the games that you played where every game it felt like it was a do-or-die game the entire way. Did you feel that pressure, or was it loose? Because these players, some
0: of them have been there before, and they felt they could get back there again. I think it was uh, primarily loose. I mean, there was pressure, but the Raiders players always seemed to handle it real well. Um, We're the first wild card team to run the table. So until it happened, we really didn't know how significant it was to do that. You know, we had to win two games on the road. We actually got one, the first wild card game at home against Houston, but then we had to win two on the road at Cleveland, 37 below zero, and then in San Diego, 75 degrees. So we, we had about a 100-degree temperature span from one week to the next. Uh, one moment that sticks out in my mind was the interception by Mike Davis in the Cleveland uh, win. He uh, had to make a, quite a play and make a diving catch in the end zone, they had tried a field goal earlier so they thought they'd take one shot before they kick the winning field goal and he made to me the play of the season.
1: Red right eighty eight. It's legendary, it will always be in Raider history. Wrapping it up with former defensive back Keith Moody, once a Raider, always a Raider, a member, a proud member of the Super Bowl fifteen championship team Keith what do you think for, of the 30 for 30 on Al Davis and Pete Roseau when you look back and the tension around the league and what Mr. Davis was dealing with at that point in time it sure seemed like you had a lot of detractors around the league that didn't want you to win that Super Bowl
0: yeah it was us against the world and you know Al let us know that and I think Al handled it so well and, and with so much poise that the, the team just followed suit You know, the Raider players were not going to be intimidated. Al wasn't going to be intimidated. We felt we were one of the top teams and top organizations. And that, you know, we had been kind of slighted with a lot of different distractions and negativities. So we had to rise above that and elevate our game, elevate our preparation and elevate our game performance. And with Al's leadership and Coach Flory's leadership, The players just followed suit, and I think we proved that we were still the top organization.
1: Wrapping it up with Keith Moody. Keith, what are you doing today? Because I know from Buffalo to the Raiders, a stint with the New Jersey Generals, a little bit of coaching. Uh, What's going on in your life today?
0: Well, my life today, I'm retired. I'm a big-time fisherman. I've got a boat up at Lake Mead. I like to get up there and fish a lot. And just visiting the family. I've got a new uh, grandson, six months old. So, uh, you know, spending time with him just in kind of enjoying uh, the fruits of my labors. But um, after football, I had the fourth good fortune of having a background in education. So I went on and became a high school principal for 15 years. And uh, that really taught me a lot about just being able to be organized and be a good leader And so I'm trying to do that for my family right now, be a leader to all my kids and all my grandkids.
1: Keith, finally, once a Raider, always a Raider. What does it mean to you to be a Raider? It's uh,
0: an extreme honor. You know, it made me really proud to have been in the National Football League. My first four years in Buffalo, I think we won like three or four games a season. It was like the post-OJ era, so we didn't have a lot. So I, I had kind of a bitter taste in my mouth about football. But after the Raiders, now I really feel proud that I participated and I was part of a first-class organization that did everything in a first-class manner and still does that today. I think Mark is following all the traditions in terms of being a first-class owner and a first-class organization. And that means a lot to the players. It makes them want to really elevate their game.
1: Thank you, Keith. It's an honor and pleasure to talk to you. I hope to see you often at Allegiant Stadium
0: this year. Thanks for coming on. Okay, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to The Game Plan on the official Raiders Podcast Network.